This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so that you can keep more of what you make. With this hurricane bearing down, if you are in the path of it, we're thinking about you and wish you the best. We have information for you that we have updated on preparation financially and personally, how you handle a disaster, and hopefully the uh, damage will be less than what we're hearing as potential prospects. I just want you to know that Uh, I'm thinking about you and hope that everything does go okay for you and your family with your personal well-being and your possessions. Now, coming up later, speaking of possessions, today's Clark Rageous moment. Yet again, military personnel being mistreated so badly, and I want to tell you something that's going on when military personnel move from one post to another, where is the respect for the members of our U.S. military? And coming up yet later, the biggest mattress company in the U.S. has filed for bankruptcy. They're closing hundreds, perhaps even uh, into the thousands of stores. What is in this for you? What does it mean to you and your wallet? I'm going to let you know later. And I want to talk just briefly before I get to your phone calls about the data breach at Experian. If you're not aware, um, Experian had a flaw with how people log into their accounts at Experian that specifically affected people who have gone to the extra steps of putting in place a credit freeze. And so... The problem with it is that the PIN code that you use potentially is exposed. And so what I have been recommending and what we've recommended at Clark.com is that you go, if you do have a security freeze in place with Experian, that you go on their website and that you change your security PIN. And it is... a uh, quick procedure to do so it means that if in fact your number was exposed that you'll be able to change it and put yourself back solidly into deep freeze the danger is obviously if criminals are able to tap in to your pin code they're able to thaw your credit for uh, companies that review your credit with Experian apply for credit as if they're you, or service as if they're you, walk out of a cell phone store with new $1,000 phones that you then get billed for, uh, buy a car as if they're you, do any of a number of things impersonating you, and that's why 
doing a credit freeze is important. And if you've done so with Experian, because of the flaw that's been exposed, even though they are trying to minimize it and pretend this means nothing, I'm telling you to err on the side of caution and put in place a new pen code with Experian. And I have, I do not try to hype things in any way or anything like that. And Experian is really worried about public reaction that will be something that they'll be tarred with, like the Equifax data breach of last year. This is not anything to the degree of that. But for people who've taken precautions, you need to protect yourself. And Albert is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Albert. How you doing? Hi, Clark. Pleasure to talk to you. I've been a fan for many years. Well, great to have you here. Well, thank you. Um, I've got a, a high-end luxury automobile that I've had for 24 years, and uh, I watched it depreciate down to about $18,500, but there's been a real collector craze for this car, even though it's a, a 1988, and the car is now valued at $40,000, and I'm, I'm looking <laughs> okay, at Wait, wait, wait. What did that luxury vehicle cost to buy new in 1988? In 1988, I bought it for, I'm sorry, in 93, I bought it for 35. I understand in 88, it cost 50,000. So now you fast forward the clock, and now it's getting back to what it originally cost all those decades ago. It's, it actually, it, it hit a low of 18.5, and then about three or four years ago, it went crazy, and People started collecting them like nuts, and then I, I think it's actually worth like forty six. But I'm just going to sell it for forty. But I'm I'm looking at offers from uh, New York and North Carolina and uh, here locally. Um, but I I don't know how. What is a safe way to get payment from these people? Only uh, by wire transfer. Just wire transfer. Yeah, a cashier's check means nothing. Okay. And so we have two sides of this. Let's say you were calling me as the buyer in New York and you're trying to uh, you're trying to buy the vehicle and I'd say, "Well, you got to be really careful buying it cuz how do you know it's really in the condition the seller's telling you? How do you know Albert's not playing games with you? How do you know he really even owns one and all that?" So this is an area where when people buy um, old collectors' cars from across the country, it's a very difficult process to protect yourself. A lot of people do it by going through the eBay Motors platform. And right. I actually sold a vehicle that was in high demand several years ago through eBay Motors. And this guy bought it from me from 1,500 miles away, sight unseen paid me through uh, the eBay Motors platform, which ultimately was PayPal, got my money, they showed up with a, um, with a car transfer service, and my vehicle went on its way. And so okay. it, is, it is one of those things where there's a level of trust that needs to be involved, but anybody who says cashier's check, where cashier's right. checks used to be the gold standard, now they're fool's gold. My wife was concerned that if I gave these people 
routing numbers and my account numbers and stuff that there might be some way they could reach back into the account and hurt us later. I guess that's not an issue. No, that is possible. That is possible. But with a wire transfer, that's if you do ACH. Okay. If you do a wire transfer, the way wire transfers operate, that would be a much more difficult thing for somebody to then swoop in and try to get the money. But it is true with ACH. Oh, I see. I didn't know there was a difference. Yeah, so so with uh, Automated Clearinghouse, the the ACH system is one that has risk all the way around. And those risks are greatly reduced with a wire transfer. Okay. And if if these local people, some of them were talking about that we had the same bank and we could go into the bank together and do that, is that a, not a good idea? No, that actually can be just fine. So if that you were be. to uh, meet someone at their bank branch, you sit down with one of those people at those overpriced desks and a branch... Right. And they witness you doing the bill of sale. You should have two copies of the bill of sale. And they issue you a cashier's check on site at the bank, and it's one of the bank officers doing it. That's money you can trust. Okay, so that's a, that's a good point. I, I can't just sign the title and hand it to them. I need to make up a, a bill of sale, two bills of sale. Yeah, so with a bill of sale, they don't have to be anything uh, of ultra formal but the way you do a bill of sale is it lists your name as seller the name and address and the name and address of the buyer the vin number of this luxury vehicle and uh description you know miles that kind of thing purchase price and then you each sign both copies and you each keep one copy the reason that's important for you it wouldn't be with the type of vehicle you're selling but often with a run-of-the-mill used vehicle, if it's later used in a crime or the person who buys it never registers it in their own name, then and everybody's coming to you saying, hey, wait, wait, you're the one responsible for this. This vehicle still shows registered to you. Right. And that's right. where the bill of sale is an important piece of evidence. It's not foolproof protection in a situation like that, but it is a layer of protection. Okay, well, that's that's wonderful advice, Clark. I, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, steer me in the right direction. And I'm so impressed that you held on long enough that you went from having your money chopped in half to now uh, doubling from the low point and above what you paid. I thought you'd like the 24 years thing. I do like the 24 <laughs> years. That's really great. Good All right, you. thanks again. Sure. Appreciate it, Clark. Take care. Sure. Tim's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Tim, congratulations to you as a new dad. Thank you, Clark. Appreciate you taking my call. Sure. Tell me all about it. Do you have boy or girl? We had a little boy. And has your son learned to sleep yet, or is your son making your life difficult? Well, we're working on that right now. Okay. All right. Um, What's your son's name? uh, Wesson. Wesson? Weston, yeah. Oh, okay. And how can I be of help with Weston? Well, um, my wife and I decided that she's going to be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, She went back to work for about a month, and today is actually her last day at work. And um, in order to 
I guess, make it financially, um, you know, and, and looking at the cost of, of daycare, um, you know, that was one of the reasons we decided for her to stay at home. And just wondering what your thoughts on, um, you know, covering that, that income gap would be, you know, reducing the amount that I'm contributing to um, my retirement plans. And I guess I just wanted to get your, your thoughts on doing that. All right. Well, let, let's first talk on the income side, and then we'll talk about expenses. Uh, it's not an all or nothing, Tim, with your wife going from what was a full-time job where this just isn't working to not working at all. Does she have a specific skill and experience level based on what she's done in a job? I would say no. I mean, she could go work at a, a lot of different places, um, but there's nothing specific uh, that that really, I guess, sets her apart from from anybody else. Because as an example, where she was working, is there anything that she could do for them extremely part time and from her from your home that would bring in some income that would still give her the flexibility of being at home with your young son and bring in a little income? Well, we, we actually talked to them about that, and they're just she's um, she's in finance um, and banking, and and there just wasn't any opportunities like that. Um, they invited her to come back once you know she wants to re-enter the the workforce, but they just don't have any positions like that available right now. All right, and you said you said something key there. Her expertise is in finance and banking. Is that right? Yes, correct. Um, I wonder if there's op- anything. Opening, Go ahead. Opening new lines of credit. Um, you know, helping out with, uh, you know, people that come into a financial and are looking to open up accounts and take out lines of credit and stuff. Well, I mean, that's an area where there's all these online lenders now. Maybe there's something she can do part-time with one of the online lenders that have become prominent. I know right now she's just exhausted, and you are too with a newborn, but I love the idea of her staying in the game just a little bit and bringing in income just a little bit. And if she was working 10 to 15 hours a week and working from home doing that, it deals with a lot of the cost squeeze because you don't have the daycare costs. It deals with some of the loss of income. So a little bit of her staying active in the workplace and bringing in income be creative on that because that's where I'd really like you to look. I mean, okay. when you start looking at the other side, what do you do on the expense side? You have to, if you need to, you might need to take a hatchet to some of the expenses you have in your life. If you do attack the contribution to retirement accounts, do you get any match where you work? I do not. I'm in law enforcement, so I, I have a state pension. Okay. And I also uh, contribute to a 457 and a Roth IRA. Um, so, so the 457, you might have to can that for now, right? And that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, about. If, you, um, if you have to do that, you have to do that for now. But I love the idea of her staying active, solving two problems, keeping her on an experience line and also bringing in some income along the way, very part-time and that's where I think the real answer is. And for you and law enforcement, please stay safe out there. In addition to all the sacrifices that our brave men and women of the U.S. military 
do by putting their lives at risk. It's really disruptive for their families, constant new duty stations having to move each year. Roughly 400,000 military personnel are required to move to a new duty station each year. And there's a huge scandal brewing in the program that the Pentagon runs for moving the possessions of military personnel and their families from one location to another, theft rings, uh, things getting damaged, lost, stolen. It is a horrendous problem. There's a petition circulating right now among military personnel that already 100,000-plus people have signed. And this program costs us as taxpayers over $2 billion each year. We need to stop handing out these contracts to a favored political few and make sure that the people who are responsible for moving our military personnel from one location to another are trustworthy, honest, decent, efficient organizations because we owe that to our brave men and women. Glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can save more and spend less and don't let anyone ever rip you off. So the rumors were true. The nation's biggest bed bed seller has now filed for bankruptcy, mattress firm, and they're going to close hundreds of stores possibly before they're done in the thousands of stores as the way people buy a mattress is going through such a massive change. One of our staffers bought a, uh, I guess you call it Zinus, Z-I-N-U-S mattress that are heavy sellers on Walmart.com and Amazon.com. And he said it's, it's just the greatest, that the mattress is fantastic. Queen size on Amazon today, it's $228. On Walmart, $199. Yeah, and um, so these things move around in price a lot all the time. But the point is what Casper started, the idea of compressing a mattress so it could fit in a smaller box that you could have delivered right to your door by a traditional delivery service like FedEx or UPS instead of waiting for some mattress company to come with a big truck and deliver your mattress the ability for you to go into Costco Wholesale or Sam's Club and buy a mattress and a box that you could just put in the back. They're all designed, this is so funny, they're all designed to be able to fit on the back seat of a Honda Civic. That's like the classic example of the size they have to be in order for you to be able to get these things home. There are special instructions with all these competitors about how you open the box and how you release the mattress and then it takes shape and it kind of blows up right before your eyes and the all these mattresses although the exact policy may vary company to company but typical policy whether you buy from a direct seller you buy from one of the big boxes you buy from uh, any third party generally you have usually a three-month period to reject the mattress for any reason and get a full refund. And the mattress business is one that had really been stuck in a very uh, sleazy era for a long time. 
the mattress business often referred to as a step worse than buying a used car. And the reason is, is that there was very high pressure. You could never figure out the models. You could never figure out the quality, the pricing. Uh, it was a terribly difficult thing to buy one. And then you'd spend a huge amount of money on something, and if you hated it, you were stuck with it. So then this business model of buying one sight unseen but with a unconditional right for a period of time to return it is taking more and more market share by the week. And the traditional way of buying mattresses will not become irrelevant, but it will become only one possibility out of many. Ironically enough, Casper is now opening actual physical stores so that people who want to go see one in person before they buy it can do that, just a small number of them, very much like Warby Parker has done with eyeglasses, where Warby Parker at first was only online and now has physical stores, uh, but not a lot of those either. But for people who want to go see frames and get a sense in person, they can go do that. And so this idea, just like Harry's, the, the razors, originally only online, now you'll see displays in, I think, Target stores of Harry's. And it doesn't take a lot of market share to disrupt the way an industry works. Uh, Gillette has been absolutely beaten into a pulp in the marketplace by the online sellers, particularly Dollar Shave Club, who has affected them so much, even though the online sellers now account for only a little more than 10% of the razor market. The mattress market, somewhere 10 to 15%. And sector after sector, people who come up with a simplified way to sell and one that is ultra user-friendly and convenient and makes it simple for you to return an item if you don't like it, no games, no gimmicks, they're going to take market share because they've made it easy. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. How you doing? Good, Mr. Howard. Or should I call you Clark? Please call me Clark. Okay, Clark. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you. Hope you are. I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. So I have a quick question. Probably not a simple answer, but quick question. I know that when you have a bank account, you have FDIC insurance and credit unions have their own insurance. But in the low-cost um, investor firms, I, every time I call and ask, I get the, well, we're not going to go bankrupt. <laughs> That's no answer, is it? No, it's not. So what kind of protection is there out there? Okay, so it depends on what you're actually doing. Like if you own a, a series of funds like you own mutual funds or index funds, the value of what you have is controlled by the holdings inside that fund. So the value when you invest goes up and down. The fund itself is not at risk unless the investments in it go to zero. So let's say you buy um, an index fund from one of the big discounters, from Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, someone like that. Who, you know, those three are taking 
so much market share or you end up owning uh, ETF from one of the you know one of the BlackRock ETFs those are the the big discounters in the market the money that is in a fund is secure in that fund there's never been a situation where uh, money has been stolen and it's just ah well and the money's gone and money in a uh, brokerage does not have as you mentioned fdic insurance or anything like that the holdings are protected by what's called sipc did anybody mention sipc to you I've seen that at the bottom of the page when you're looking at the site. And SIPC is a vastly inferior protection for you than what you have at a credit union through NCUA or at a bank through FDIC. So SIPC is a privatized version of protection, and the most contentious cases have involved where a brokerage has been crooked and SIPC has not been there to protect people. In the event of a brokerage going insolvent, the SIPC takes care of people. But if it's involved fraud or something like that, they don't. But your money, how is it held? Is it in mutual funds or index yes, funds? most of it most of it is in mutual funds and indexes in an ira um, a little bit of it are, is in money market now would money market be different than the funds yes so money market works a little differently and last decade during the uh, banking scandals there were i think two money market funds that couldn't pay out people's accounts and they went at least temporarily insolvent. And it was a, a terrible problem, very upsetting to people. In a money market situation, the brokerage houses offer generally two options. You can either have the money in a pitifully earning FDIC-insured uh, account, or you can have it in a money market account where the interest changes each day. And I have my money in money market. I'm not particularly worried because even last decade when we had this, this series of banking scandals, no one of any, there was no significant or meaningful loss for anybody from any of the money markets. Even the ones that temporarily went insolvent ultimately paid people the money they owed them almost 100%. Wonderful. Thank you very much for answering the question. The big risk always is with a smaller brokerage that may be crooked, and that's when your money is at greatest risk, if that gives you any comfort. That does. Thank you very much. All right. Best to you. Best to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Robert's with us on the Clark Howard Show, and Robert, you're with us again to talk about your Carvana experience. Yet another disruptor. I was talking just moments ago about the mattresses and the razors and who knows how many other businesses are going to be disrupted. Carvana, you buy a car sight unseen, but you called me because you were trying to do what with Carvana? I was trying to sell and the, one, of my car, one of my cars. And the process 
freaked you out and you wanted to make sure you weren't going to get ripped off and you called me and we talked through the process did it turn out that you really were dealing with Carvana and that everything was on the up and up or what ultimately happened because you're going to educate me right now it was it went surprisingly well really well uh smooth I, I didn't I didn't know what to expect with them calling and another broker calling and a dealership calling and I, and I didn't uh, know what to think since I wasn't getting any other calls so so uh, but uh, we went through with it and uh, I met uh, we had a meeting point at a bank and uh, and she was early it was a, it was a female tow truck driver and I was early and she was very pleasant nice uh, pulled into a, a bigger parking lot and uh, she briefly looked at the cars we did some paperwork and it went, it went real smooth surprisingly smooth so you got real money and you sold your car and you're done yeah I certified cashier's check I went to, to my bank and deposited it and I said now when will this check clear because I thought it might take a couple days and she said it'll clear tonight so and that was that surprised me also but everything was everything was was uh very smooth very very nice with the transaction and when you and I talked before we talked about the fact that a cashier's check doesn't necessarily mean anything anymore but and that's why yeah that's why I called because I thought I had heard that but in this case, you really were dealing with Carvana. They really took your car. They paid you for it. And now you'll be able to go on Carvana's mm-hmm. website and find your car up for sale before you know it. And most definitely when I look for another car, I'll, I'll, I'll shop there to see uh, uh, to see what kind of deals are out there from them. Yeah, but see, you have real inside information now because you know what Carvana paid you for your car when you find it on their website, you'll have a real sense of what kind of markup they have from uh, buying your vehicle to when they resell it to somebody else. Right. right. Yes. Right. So uh, I appreciate you following up with me because when you and I talked, I couldn't tell you if the people you were dealing with were really from Carvana, if it was really the legit process because uh, you, with Carvana, just as you buy the car completely online, when you're buying one from them sight unseen, when they buy your car, they're unseen and everything is email or uh, various forms of digital communication till it comes time that you actually turn the vehicle over. And so that's a process where it is possible somebody could get rooked and you went through steps to make sure you were dealing with the actual real people and you got the vehicle sold and i really appreciate you sharing the odyssey with us brian's with us on the clark howard show hello brian you are a fellow entrepreneur is that right that's correct thanks for taking my call today clark how are you doing today doing great thank you what kind of business do you run i have a an engraving and award store uh, in uh, florida okay well, how can I be of service with your business? Well, I have a potential new customer that's a, a very large entity. And the, through my contact with that company, they had, they had requested that I fill in 
uh, an authorization slip so they could direct deposit me. Um, and what kind of threw me off was they're asking for my checking account number, savings account number, both routing numbers and social security number. And I just, it, alarm bells went off. And, and it's a pretty legitimate organization, but. Well, you're, and you're sure, it's act, you're sure it's actually them. This yeah, like, is like the Carvana call again. <laughs> so you're, you're sure it really is the, um, the company or agency you're dealing with? It is the lady, it is the contact person that I uh, met in person in my store. Um, it said that, you know, it's a, it's a new vendor package with the W-9 and the uh, okay. direct right. deposit agreement. So with large organizations, it is normal and routine now that they pay electronically. I can tell okay. you with my websites that advertisers in, uh, overwhelmingly pay the exact same way that you're being asked to receive payment, and that's okay. the only way they pay. Gotcha. So okay. it is it is normal course of business with large companies yeah. and with a lot of government agencies that they're going okay. to pay you electronically. The advantage to you you're likely to get paid quicker, right, right? And there's not going to be a thing. Well, well, you were set up for payment. Did you not get that payment? You will know, yeah, right? Uh, clearly, and so the real test is as long as you are comfortable and confident that you're uh-huh. dealing with the actual real okay. organization, then okay. I would be comfortable doing the electronic payment. Okay. Yeah, I just, the alarm bells, I've been a long-time listener to Clark, and alarm bells went off, and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going to check this one. (laughs) And you're doing the right thing by asking the questions. Right. So it's it's like with anything else where I talk about, you know, don't do this, don't do that. In this case, I don't say don't do it, but it's a matter of being really, really careful who you're doing business with. Now, for individuals where you're asked to permit ACH where you pay somebody in this method that has very high risk for you as an individual and I urge extreme caution and with any health club or uh, technology bill you don't want to allow people to come in and swoop into your bank account and take money from you for the services they've supposedly rendered to you This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks so much for listening today. You know, there's a giant team behind bringing you everything we do at Team Clark. Our podcast and radio show are produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. My TV producer is Leah Dunn. Clark.com is made possible thanks to Krista DiBiaz, James DeGal, John Crest, Theo Timu, Michael Timmerman, Craig Johnson, Beth Marcinko, Clara Bassanetto, John Jones, and Grace Del Rio. ClarkDeals.com, where you can find the best deals from around the web, is produced by Karis Brown, Laura Sayers, Sarah Jordan. You can sign up for our newsletters at Clark.com. Thanks to Sally McDonald. And our social media gurus are Chelsea Glass and Nicole Carroll. Our Off-Air Advice Center is run by Lori Silverman, Sarah Mobley, and Sue Gatliff and their team's available to serve you over 40 hours each week at 404-892-8227. And this is a free service of Team Clark.
Thanks for listening. Till next time. 